Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now, it's Gabe time. Gabe Kuhn. Gabe Kuhn was one of the great little trivial nuggets in all football bios. His grandfather was the inventor of the Easy Bake Oven. Like a boss. The best lineman on the radio. Well, the only lineman on the radio. It's game time. Game time. We're ready. The Gabe Coon Show. 92.9 FM ESPN. Happy Friday out there, August 18, 2023, and welcome into the Gabe Coon Show. I'm your host, former Memphis Tiger offensive lineman Gabe Coon on X at G underscore Coon. 71. Alongside me is the executive producer of the Gabe Coon Show. That'd be Connor Dunning on X at C Dunning 929. Connor, what's the word, brother? What's up, man? You dove into Hard Knocks episode two last night, huh? I did. I did get to see Hard Knocks episode two. So you two saw last Will night. McDonald in that his was face tats. Yeah, Will McDonald. His, uh, big fan. Big yeah, fan of he's, him. He's a stud. Dude. He was messing up the Panthers. They had no that idea. That last rush he had where he timed it perfectly on the spin and got a pressure after the sack was unbelievable, man. And, and, like, you know, I know this from being a competitor in those moments. You know you're screwed as an offensive lineman when you're giving the guy compliments. It's like, dude, you're shifty. I was about to ask. The guy, yeah, the guy said, you're shifty Like, two hell. or three of them were like, you're going to be a stud. Yeah, he, he said say? that at one point. You're going to be real, my boy, or something yeah, like that? Yeah, you're going to be real. Like, you're going to be real, my boy. Yeah. But you're good today. I'm good. good I'm great. Yeah. Good I need some advice from you. I need to talk to you about some yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. We got to talk about the boxes. Yeah. We'll talk wedding, about the boxes wedding gift season is upon me. I'm a, I'm a month and a half out from it's the tough. wedding. It happens quickly. And good Lord, I am inundated. Inundated. We have a room dedicated for it. But three hours to talk on the way, courtesy of 92.9 FM ESPN and yours truly. Uh, I'm going to talk about Jaron and the FIBA team. They are 4-0 in friendlies. They beat Greece by 22. Former, uh, former USA rival, Greece, beat the hell out of them. Mikal Bridges had 21 points. Jaron Jackson Jr. had 11 and a block and three rebounds. And a steal. And a steal. I mean, it, all the freaking out about this FIBA World Cup team. Couldn't have been me. Whatever. I, I never did. I never did. I always thought I, this team was solid. Everybody always talks about the world catching up. The world, it's, it's easier said than done to catch up. I'll say that much. Uh, Michael Orr also, there was a report in TMZ yesterday about his 2011 book. Apparently in 2011, he knew that they were legal conservators. The Tuies were legal conservators of him. I, I want to discuss that. I, I think there's some nuance to the excerpt of the book that's being referred to, but we'll discuss that as well. Uh, bottom half of this hour, we're going to take a trip around the NFL. Tyreek Hill um, <laughs> shed some light 
on how he gets prepped for games. And uh, it's not watching film. That's the spoiler alert, but we'll tell you how he does that uh, around 4.30 as we get into our trip around the NFL. As far as guests are concerned, Jeff Calkins from the Jeff Calkins Show and the Daily Memphian at 5 o'clock. And then at 6 o'clock, my man, Kyron Samuels, uh, he is uh, a senior consultant and writer at Defiant Takes, but he also is a former all-conference offensive lineman at uh, Jacksonville State. Um, guy I've known for a while, and he is he is a savant when it comes to college football and NFL. Actually, the nephew of Chris Samuels. He's been on the show before, but nephew of Chris Samuels at Alabama. Pretty good. Oh uh, yeah, pretty damn good. Good bloodline. I'll okay, that player. Much. Yeah, he's <laughs> all American. <laughs> drafted in the first round by the Washington Redskins at the time. Yeah, I, I'd say he was pretty good. Also, throughout the show, um, around five thirty, I'm going to get into some questions I have. Questions revolving around Memphis football. Three pressing questions and answers on Memphis football. So I'll get to that around 5.30 in the Blitz, of course, at 6.30. And, and I, it's kind of sad what we're going to have to talk about to start the Blitz. But, Connor, I don't know if you saw this stat, but it was released yesterday. 45% of players who entered the transfer portal in college basketball are without a home right now. That's a lot. For the 23-24 season. That's insane. I think the final number was either 807 or 817. 800-plus players without a place to go after leaving a Division I school. That's scary, man. And, that, like it, again, it shows two sides of the portal. There's the good side where you find a landing spot. There's the bad side where you hop in and you can't figure out where you're going. And you don't get to play the sport you love. So I hope stats like this really help to iron out what the transfer portal is going to look like in the future. I hope people take notice of this, especially players, and realize, hey, maybe the grass isn't greener. Maybe if I hop in this, there's no guarantee that I'm going to land somewhere. But that's a, that's a scary, that's a frightening number ultimately. All right, now. <sighs> uh, let's get into it. I'm here to help. I'm month here to and help. a half. I'm here to help. month and a half away from the wedding. And I'm getting boxes every day. Our wedding gifts are starting to get shipped. I'm telling you, our office right now, no less than 25 boxes, unopened boxes. And this is not counting the things we've already opened. Like Taylor got her, my fiance got her strainers out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we have some things that we already got out. Like there's a pasta maker she got out already. But we have 25 plus boxes in there. And it is, because fr- I'm, I'm a person who hates clutter. Like I hate it. It just may, it stresses me out. I don't know if that makes me a little bit OCD, but I think a lot of people hate clutter around their house. But I have moved all those boxes into the office, and I cannot even walk in the office right now. I, I can't deal with clutter. I'm very similar to you. I am a constant cleaner of our house. I like to keep it clean, you know, keep it presentable. There are, there are spaces that will get cluttered. Most, m- most notably, of course, we always have our doom chairs, you know, because I do have right. ADHD, so there's doom piles around the house every once in a while. But we bought our house in May. We got married in September. Because of this, the number of boxes that we had were, it was like a mountain. And it's there was not nothing, even an office for me anymore. There was nothing we could do. No. It, so our guest room. bedroom, our guest bedroom essentially became what we like to call lovingly the box room for a year. Because we got, we, we moved in, we got married, and then I changed jobs and was gone for the fall because <laughs> I was an SID. So I was just gone yeah. for a hundred days. So we weren't able to really. Good old 12 to 14 hour days. Yeah, we yeah, gotta love it. Yeah, yeah, 12 days. That was a, that was an easy day. Um, 
I digress. But <laughs> so, so we really just within the last few months were able to get working on the guest bedroom. We finally cleared it out, and it is no longer the, the, the box room. It is now, we can call it accurately, a guest bedroom, finally. But it's going to be like that for a while. It's just take it one at a time. You can't eat the elephant all at once. you got to eat them a bite at a time. That I, that you know. That my you, stress is that those boxes are going to be unopened in that room for about a year. So basically, what's going to happen stress. is, and then there also, are going to be moments where you just kind of move the box, and it will eventually find a home. You may not ever <laughs> open said box, but you will move the box and find a box the home. We have a laundry room that's built off of the house. It was an, an addition that the person built onto it before we bought the house, and there are just a lot of boxes in there, a lot of kitchen supplies in there because. You know, you run out of cabinet space after a while. You can only get so many crock pots and things like that. Thank you to everybody. And thank you to everybody that gave us gifts. We needed all of them. It just, it's weird when you get them, you actually have to set them up. Because when you were a kid, when you were a teenager, you would get presents. And let's be honest, mom, dad, they would take care of the assembly for most of the things. Things would just kind of magically appear or they, you know, they would show up where they're supposed to be. You just don't realize how much stuff you have when you become an adult. And it's going to keep coming. Like I said, one bite at a time. And my best advice would be just open up, just open it and put it where it should go. And well, don't but let that, the see, that's the problem. I, like, even if I open everything, I don't know if I have space for it in my multiple sa- cabinets and everything else. This is going to be hard to hear, Gabe. Oh, no. But football seasons are coming. You're about to get married. You got to sacrifice one of these Saturdays and Sundays before we get to. We, you have time now. Do it now. You've got to sacrifice a day and just get it done. You just you've got to bite the bullet. You got to eat and the have ass we sandwich. Talked about how, me, how my fiance just bullied me into having a wedding during football season. Have we your fiance about it? is terrifying. I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> Every time I meet her, I'm scared. She's she's lovely. She's she's, she's very lovely. nice. Yes, she's great. She terrifies me. She's very scary. She's yeah, also married someone she's who's also, six four three hundred pounds. She's also five so. foot three. Yes. So you're scared of a five foot three woman. Yes. She's so there like, is that. She's like a honey badger. Yeah. She. Uh, she forced me at Boise State game is the day is the that's day tough. it has to happen. That's tough. Yeah, that's that's brutal. There's nothing sacred to that woman. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I got bullied. Now waiting eight eight years, maybe that's part of the reason I'm getting bullied on the back end. That is on right? you. Hand you gotta put a hand up on that. Right. No, yeah. for sure. Like I, I I take my responsibility in why I'm getting married during football season. But at the same time At least you're getting married early in football season. Or wait, when is your wedding? September 30th. So oh, okay, that's se- right. relatively early. Yeah, we were the 26th. Yeah. Okay. See, so but I mean, it means I'm not saying it means less. We were Tennessee, Florida. That's brutal. That's Tennessee won. Tennessee won for the first time against you're Florida. Watching, on my you're watching game. in your groom's quarters. I'm I not take it. I'm not kidding. The game ended 10 15 minutes before we walked out and got married. It was great. It was a fantastic way to send me off to go get married. And I also say with the registry like I don't know how many plates and air fryers I need. You know what I mean? You're gonna have you're gonna have more plates and glasses than you know existed <sighs> yep. in the world. And you got to be careful about where you put them. They're fragile, very fragile. And by the way, the amount of wine glasses, wine oh, glasses good too. God. And by the way, I don't know about you. When I wash a wine glass, it just breaks every time. I'm I, not every time, but you know what I mean. I am not. What are you doing with the like wine glass? You slamming it against you. You, you, hand, you hand wash it, and when the put in the dishwasher. Water, I mean, our dishwasher doesn't quite it didn't doesn't quite fit. Bottom is all the plates and the bowls. That's tough. Then the beat. top, it's just it's That's not. A tough it's beat. a little. You gotta be gentle. Short. It's you gotta short. Be gentle. I gotta be gentle. I gotta hand yeah. wash them. Yeah. 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 You're probably like Mister Incredible. Every once in a while, and just slams. Yeah, it's around. brutal. Yeah, it's brutal. Now, um, speaking of incredible, so far, 
FIBA World Cup team for the USA looks pretty damn good. Four and zero in friendlies, and they beat Greece by twenty two today. Again, like some of these teams, like Giannis Antetokounmpo is not playing for Greece, and all of the a lot of the stars outside of Luka Doncic not playing for their for their respective countries team. But I hate all the freak out we have on the front end with the FIBA World Cup, and you see the USA just dominating. Four All-Stars, a lot of young players that are on the way to being All-Stars. We should have known that this was going to be the result, ultimately. And seeing how Jaron Jackson Jr. is just dominating, like some of the – he was three for three today, five for seven from the field, 11 points, just sort of a yeoman stat line, 11 points, three rebounds, a block, a steal. Um, But seeing him, his back-to-the-basket game, the development there is unreal, Connor. And it is fun to watch a guy who – at times throughout his career, we felt was a little bit offensively challenged. We knew he had the, uh, we knew he had the bag there, but he had to develop it. He's developed it, man, in a big way. Yeah, it seems like this offseason, Jaron has really made it a point to work on his traditional big man moves, if that makes any sense. Like he is really screen working, setting, back right, to the basket, exactly. work, getting to the rim. Right, he's working like a five. And you know, to be honest, I know that we have. You know, mixed feelings about Steve Kerr here in Memphis, but he's doing the Grizzlies a service here by having Jaron play the five and and using him as in a Draymond esque kind of role. You know, when you watch Jaron Jackson Jr. play defense against some of these teams, it's a borderline war crime to have him. No, out there. it's crazy what Jaren, he's doing to Greece. Jaron with with what FIBA rules is. It's just, it's not fair because even though he may only have one block or one steal, he's all over the place. He's, and, he completely and, changes the way an offense operates when he's out there. And you brought up the point that they're not playing. He affects shots. Even when, yeah. even when he's not blocking things, he affects shots in a huge way. Well, and you brought up, like, you know, they're not playing Giannis, they're not playing Luka, which is true, but you could also argue the U.S. isn't trotting out there Anthony Davis and Kevin Durant right, and no, Devin Booker. Sure. Like the, you know, it's, but... I've always thought that this team was really talented. It was a talented team. They made sense. The pieces made sense. They're, they just don't have that giant sexy name that everybody says, oh, that's going to be the person. That's going to be the go-to guy. But it seems like Anthony Edwards is going to be able to take kind of the alpha role on the offensive end. You've got Jaron Jackson well, Jr. there who you could argue right now when I mean, Giannis and other big guys aren't playing, he might be the best big in FIBA. You, you talk about Anthony Edwards taking over the offensive role, the, the alpha role. Mikal Bridges, he had 21 today. He he's He's got all-star upside. He's got real all-star upside. Give him to us, He's Nets. still there. Now, again, with the Nets, I don't know how that team's going to be, but he's going to have to take an alpha role with that team as well. But he's a three-level scorer, man. And he's still really good from the outside, 37 38% from three. Like, he, he – Macau Bridges is a fun-ass player. And I understand now – just sort of looking back at all the trade deadline rumors and everything else, you know, uh, teams that were in need of wings were reaching out for Macau Bridges. I think uh, the Grizzlies at one point offered, what, four firsts? Four firsts. To try to go get Macau Bridges. I get why the Nets stood pat and said, this is a guy we want to bring on for our future. He's still young, and he's got so much damn ability, and especially on the defensive end. He's got all defensive upside, defensive player of the year upside, and then offensively he provides a punch as well. Well, he really showed last season once he was traded from the Suns. One, he showed what the Suns lost because they moved him, but he basically took over as the number one guy for the Nets, and they were were punchy. They were a pretty good team. They, They weren't great. They couldn't really win in the playoffs, but well, you know, they were they spotted were, a whatever thirty-five win, yeah, thirty-five, yeah. thirty-six win, something like that. Yeah, but to, that you, thing to your up. point, he showed the potential to be one of the guys on a championship team. He can't be the number one guy. No. I don't think he's that good, but he could be your number two, number three. If he's your number three, that's great. If he's your number two, you could probably make it work. But speaking of the Nets, 
You also have Cam Johnson, who's yep. playing for this team. He and Austin Reeves combined for 24 off the bench. You love to see it there. They just ha- It seems like every guy that comes in has scoring ability for the FIBA team, and they play within the system. It doesn't well, feel like there is anyone that you know you have that's going to go ISO. Like Anthony Edwards might be the closest to that, but he's still more of a team ball kind of guy. What I, what I noticed is they tend to get sloppy at times. I think they had 20 turnovers. They today. get bored. Yeah, and they had like they gave up 24 points off turnovers. But they like the response they've been giving once they go into those lulls has been pretty damn impressive. Pretty damn impressive. And they already beat the number one team, number one ranked team in the in the world right now, um, in Spain. In a friendly now, once you get into the tournament, everything could change. Everything could flip on its head. But I, I, I like watching this team, and I know it's just friendlies, but it it has been fun to sort of intake. I mean, consume a little bit of that in the off season. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, even though they're friendlies, teams are still coming into it saying, you know, we're playing U.S. basketball. It's like they're super. Yeah, no, it is. To your point about Mikhail, though, I just saw it. You know what he's shooting right now? What sixty eight percent? Of course he is. Sixty eight percent. He is. That's he's insane. that rare offensive player that can play within himself and still fill it up at a at a ridiculous rate. Like I, even watching him during the NBA season, there it's rare where I'll watch him. Even when he was with the Nets and had to be the alpha and take on the offensive scoring load, it's rare where he takes a shot and I say, "What the hell are you doing? What kind of shot was that?" And I it, mean, he he const, he he puts he puts his team in good good positions. Now it, again, I don't think he's a number one on an NBA team, but. He could definitely fill in as a number two, number three on a winning team. Right. I also like how it seems like that this team, because there were some question marks about what the starting lineup was going to be. And then, it's you know, been the same for four it, games. It's, it's been the same. It really seems like that they have figured it out. You know, you got Anthony Edwards, Mikhail Bridges, Jalen Brunson, Brandon Ingram, Jaron Jackson Jr. That is a hell of a starting five to have. I would be shocked if that wasn't the team that played New Zealand on August 26th. It's got to be the starting five. They've been dominating teams, they're good offensively, they're moving the ball. It's all you want to see from this young team. And, you know, I really do think that we are going to see a leap from Jaron Jackson Jr. this season that is going to be significant. We have talked about it a couple of times this offseason. I would not be surprised if there was an all-NBA season for Jaron Jackson Jr. on the horizon. I thought last he is year showing was, all of the signs. Last year was borderline. The last two – he had – his last two months were special. Yes. They really were. The and scoring. What he was doing against the Lakers in the playoffs, there right. were a lot of moments where he was the best player on the floor with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. It just straight up, that was the facts of the situation. If he played the whole season like he did that last two months when the jaw stuff really started kind of popping off and he took that leadership position for the Grizzlies, he would have been all NBA. And I, I expect him just to continue that. I don't expect him to go backwards. There's no, no. way. Him having a real offseason of health. And to be able to prepare for us, I cannot. I think wait there's something to, to be said. I can't too. wait. There, there is times in fired athlete's up. career. I mean, he got into the league when he was 19 years old, and he's five years in. He's still 23. There, like, there's something to be said about grown man strength. And Jaron has oh, yeah. gotten that as the, as his career's gone along. He's gained some weight. He's definitely adding to his bag. But he's got that grown man attitude now, where he will go bully folks, which. Through the first couple of years, and I know it was injury ridden, and you and you and you hate to see that, but through those first couple of years, you never really saw that come to play. So there's been a few times in FIBA and against the like in the last two months, he goes through people now. You yes. know what I mean? Like he'll put his shoulder into someone's chest and go over them. And because I mean, they you, can't saw, stop you saw him. it in the, in the Lakers series. He did it to Anthony Davis that, a couple that's times. That's kind of like what I mean. He, he, is, right. he, you know, in the past when he first came in, he had that three point shooting ability. So he floated around the perimeter a lot. And he was taking jump shots and he would take layups, dunk it every once in a while. He's more of a flasher. But now he's he's creating. He can create well, off the dribble, but he's going to go through someone. Yes. If you throw him the ball in the paint, they can't. 
He's so big and long, he can just go through over the, the first, top of people. Through the first half of last season, his big sort of part of his development, you saw him start to get better around the rim, but it would be mismatches. Like, he'd get a guard on right. him and he'd go bully him. As the season went along, he's going after big men the same way. Yeah, he can do it to a legitimate five. Well, he's long. He's 6'11". He should have known that was always part of his game. But he's got to unlock it. And I still think I, – I, Jaron as a natural five in the NBA, I don't know if that's ever going to be the case for him because I think he's too multiple and he can play around the perimeter when he needs to. And the reboundings, as much as it's gotten better, he had a, he had a, a, a career high in rebounding last year, right around seven rebounds per game. But I don't know if that's ever going to be a full part of his bag. I don't know if he'll ever sort of grow into that. That, And I know that's what Grizzlies fans have wanted this entire time. You think that he could be that sort of stretch five that makes teams uncomfortable. I still think that it, sort of naturally he's going to slide himself into four for just about the entirety of his career because Man, of how it is, it's his play style. I think the goal would be to get him to link the five eventually is the goal. If, if if I I really do think that that well, we've would... gone through two centers now with the Grizzlies, Jonas and now Stephen Adams, where sure. you've you've really needed those guys to well, they do were, the dirty they work. Were, they for were necessary, Jaren. but we we are starting to see the signs of Jaron doing that dirty work now, and that's kind of what you're seeing. And I think it just goes on development. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. And, and you know, how long Steven Adams is around. But it, that conversation, specifically about the rebounds, it reminds me a lot of the conversation we would have about Marcus Gasol when he was playing next to Zebo. I am hesitant to criticize Jaron's rebounding total when he's playing next to the best rebounder in the NBA. Like, Steven Adams is arguably the best rebounder in the NBA. He's definitely the best offensive rebounder in the NBA. So there's not a lot of opportunity. So getting eh. seven when you're playing with with Steven, it's not bad. What I do want to see, though, is when he's not in there. Let's see that aggressiveness there. Let's see if you can take, you know, it, when Steven Adams is out, let's see if Jaron Jackson Jr. can make it a priority to go get those rebounds, to really start fighting for him. Again, we saw that in the last two months of the season. When Steven was hurt, Jaron's rebounding totals started to go up. So if he can stay in the paint a little bit more and not have to be on that perimeter, I think you'll see that number there. But it's just, I'm, 
it's really hard to, I think, judge that number for what it is when he's playing next to a guy and, like I, I Steven Adams. I do think, Adams. Pete, like there's that thought out there that Steven Adams and even Jonas Valanciunas were training wheels for Jaron. You need to throw him into the fire and see if he can I don't take disagree on those with minutes. that. But at the same time, I just I, it's gotten better as his career has gone along. But he plays a lot around the perimeter. He's going to play out of the high post. He's going to get off the dribble. He's uh, defensively, he's contesting shots more than he's going to rebound. I, I feel like always throughout his career, you're going to have to have some level of dirty work five next to him. Sure, or or the four. I, I, Just, I, I, yeah. I, I mean, or one the four. Of, yeah, depending one on of the, the skill sets of the person that needs to play next to Jaron does need to be rebounded. I, I guess sure. everybody else wants him to be a natural five at some point in his career. But I'm skeptical that that's going to come to fruition in the way that people think. I think it just depends on team setup mostly. Okay. I, I think that that's ultimately what it's, gonna, what it's gonna come down to. How many more years is Steven Adams gonna make sense for this team? Is there ever a moment where a four pops up that the Grizzlies can go get and he can't play a five and Jaron can? Will that force him to the position? That's It's really personnel and Steven Adams' career I think that's gonna determine that. Now we have another update in the Tui Michael Orr situation, and in 2011, Jeff has made a lot of references to this throughout the week since we've been discussing yeah. this story. Um, but in 2011, Michael Orr's first book, there's an excerpt that's being pulled where he did say he knew that Sean and Leanne Tui were his legal conservators. I'm going to go ahead and read it. It kind of felt like a formality as I'd been a part of the family for more than a year at that point since I was already over the age of 18 and considered an adult by the state of Tennessee, Sean and Leanne Tui would be named as my legal conservators. And that's sort of the excerpt that's being pulled at this moment. Now, he went on to say, and this is, this is interesting. This is interesting. Now, he clearly knew that they were conservators based on that. There's no question that's open and shut. In 2011, he wrote it in his book. He knew that they were named his quote-unquote legal conservators. Now, after that, he said they explained to me, this is where the nuance comes in. They explained to me that it means pretty much the same exact thing as adoptive parents, but that the laws were just written in a way that took my age into account. So it sounds like the conservatorship still, he knew it. He knew it it, it was the case. So him learning in February of 2023, that's a, that's a falsity. And that's what he said in the petition to Shelby County Court. But it does sound like it was misrepresented to him on the front end. And maybe that's what he's referring to, but he said in February 2023 he finally learned they were conservators, and that, that's not true. Right, that, and that's why, you know, this conversation is extremely complex, I think. I was trying to explain it to a buddy of mine who lives in Montana, and when I was going through <laughs> it, he was just like, how many, it was like the Charlie Day meme, trying to explain right. all the different strings yeah. and, and pathways that this conversation goes. So, yeah, he said in the book that they explained it to him. I think that this goes back to the legality versus morality thing that we've kind of been talking about this week. Legally, it may be true that he knew about the conservator conservatorship, but it sounds like to me that he understood it as he was adopted. Adopted, still. yes. So that is where I think the nuance comes in. So what I'm curious about is when he says in 2023 he found out that they were a conservatorship – I may be giving him too much of the benefit of the doubt here. I think, I think, yeah, because but there, li I, he literally said that he was told they were legal. I think it is possible that maybe he was he meant he found out what it meant. what it meant. What yes, it no, meant. I, I'm with you there. Yeah, that's, I, I'm with that's you there. kind of what but I think might be happening again, here. We've had but the again, legality he did morality say, conversation, right. right? And legally, 
clearly he knew in 2011 that they right. were conservatives. And there's, now, he can't went, deny that. He, he went on to say, honestly, I didn't care what it was called. I was just happy no one could argue that we weren't legally what we already knew was real. We were a family. So there is a level of this where it was misrepresented to him because right. conservatorship is not adoption. And it's that's, not. And that's where I still have complex feelings about this is that legally they may have explained to him that it was a conservatorship. He may have known that legally, but I think morally he was still – I don't know if he – I don't know if – I feel The problem like with me is that I think the, people have been using the word tricked. I don't think that's the right word. And that makes the conversation difficult to have with people because I don't think they did it to trick him. I don't think they were saying, like, let's do a conservatorship because we're going to trick you this way. For some reason, they didn't adopt him. And the yes. reasons they have given are also false. And that's why this is really tough because they did not have to do the conservatorship to get him into Ole Miss. That is just not true. We've seen the laws. Yes. <laughs> people have dove into that's, that. That's what they said. And that's the why case. they said they had to be, beat the NCAA with a conservatorship. And, and it, he had to be 18, all that kind of stuff. That's why this is. Why? Why did they do the conservatorship? We still have not really gotten a fair answer there. So that it's just, I don't know yet. And I, this still leads me to believe that we are never going to find out the full story. And then we also, I mean, the money amounts that keep coming out. The money amount out, keeps changing, I, it too. keeps changing. Um, is two point, you know I what 2.5% of 300 million is? There's three groups right now. There's three groups. There are people that are holding their ground in the middle. And not picking sides because they want to see how it plays out. And I think that's probably the best place to be at this moment. Right. And then there's people that are far to the poll taking the Tui side, people far on the poll taking Michael Orr's side. People that are taking the Tui side are standing on legality of everything. Well, it's legal. Did they do anything illegal? Like, did they really dupe him from the beginning to, to siphon him out of money? I don't think that was ever the case, but I feel like they're standing on legal grounds. If you're standing on Michael Orr's side, if you're on that poll – it's moral. It's it's moral grounds of, hey, a conservatorship in this moment for a guy that has never acted on a whim and he's 37 years old still in said conservatorship, that's not morally correct because you still would have power of attorney. You could if you wanted to, even though they did not during his Ravens career take money from him, any of that. You could control his funds and everything he does monetarily. So, again, it comes down to morality versus legality, and I, I don't think they're the same thing, and I think that um, people are sort of taking different sides based on how they feel about the situation at the moment. Yeah. Personally, I lean toward the morality side of it, but I still think I'm pretty in the middle of this situation because I don't know the full story. It's, it's tough to decipher what the full story is, what the truth is, because we're really just – it's really he, he said, she said right now. We have no proof of things. We have books that people have written. We have a movie. We have things, but all of those things are – there are subjective opinions that can be taken I from think, those mediums. So it's going to be really difficult, I think, to really figure out what happened here. Here's what I'll say, though. I think that the arguments for the Tuies, how they helped them, they're rich, all these things, none of those things matter, and I don't understand why they keep being brought up in the conversation. Those things I don't think matter. It doesn't matter that they were rich. It doesn't yep. matter that they didn't take the only thing the only evidence. thing it would the only thing it would change is the reasons as to why this sure. is being done now. But I, it, I, it doesn't change I, the allegations. I think what's bothering me though is that you said it, and I'm not saying that you were presenting it as evidence of their innocence. But some people have been like, well, they were conservators and they didn't take money away from him when he was in the NFL. So good. Okay. That doesn't that doesn't negate that the possibility I, of them doing anything in the gray area before then. Great. That's a good thing. That's also what they should have done. Yeah. I'm not going to give people credit for doing something that I they think, should have done. I think what is most 
likely scenario for me in this entire blindside 2009, Michael Orr not getting the money he think he thinks he was due. I feel like conversations needed to be had on Michael Orr's behalf when the movie was coming out and they were divvying up the money. Right. Now, legally, I, I don't doubt that he has that money in that, in that trust account um, for his son, that he's gotten all the money that he is due. But I do think he's looking at it now, it being way in the past, and saying, damn, I'm the subject of this whole thing. This thing doesn't go without me. Right. And I have not gotten paid what I feel as if I was due on the front end for me being the main cog, if you will, in a biopic that made 310 whatever million dollars. I think that that's sort of the issue that he's taking right now. Now, again, morally, I think on the front end they should have helped him and probably uh, looked out for his best interest. But legally, if he has all the money and it's already been agreed upon and there's been signatures on, on contracts, you can't really do anything about it on the back end. But that's what I feel like is the most likely scenario at this moment. He, he, he looks back at it and he realizes, damn, I kind of got screwed out of what I should have been paid at that moment for that movie. Right. And, you know, the harsh reality is that legally they might be like, sorry, man. Yeah, it's there's too nothing late. I can do. There's yeah. nothing we can do about that. And that's why, you know, it's tough to figure out which direction to go on this. I will say there's a lot of holes in the story still on both sides. Yes. Both both sides of their story have a lot of, well, what about this? That's well, a what pretty about ma- that? I'll say well, this, what about though, that? with Michael Orr, it is a pretty <laughs> substantial hole to say in February 2023, I learned about the yes. conservatorship. In 2011, you wrote that and you knew they were legal I think that was one thing a That's lot a of people hole. we had questions about was, does, did he really just find out about it? And when right. he says that, what does he does he mean he just found, about, found out about what it is? Or did he find out what it meant? What it may, means, or did he find out that that's what it was? You know, because, And at the end of the day, whether he thought it was a conservatorship or not, the whole world thought he was adopted. Yep. And they allowed that lie to continue. They allowed that to be misrepresented all these years. No question. No question. But we'll keep with updates on it. But that's enough of that. TMZ Memphis, That's baby. enough of that. We need to take a trip around the NFL. We'll do that next on the Gabe Coon Show, 92.9 FM, ESPN. Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline. Now back to the Gabe Coon Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM, ESPN. Football season is quickly approaching, and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long because right now when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets back every time they win in the regular season. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl, and you'll get bonus bets back for every victory. You can use your bonus bets on just about anything. Spreads, over-unders, player props, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash GabeK. That's my promo code, G-A-B-E-K, and start earning bonus bets back with America's number one sportsbook. That's FanDuel.com slash GabeK, G-A-B-E-K. You must be 21 plus and present in Tennessee. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund issued as is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Max bonus $50 unless specified otherwise. Restrictions apply. See full terms at fanduelcom sportsbook. If you have a gambling problem, call the Tennessee Red Line at 1-800-889-9789. Now with this trip around the NFL, I want to start with an overarching topic here. The NFL says that positions wearing guardian caps, the little caps they put on top of the helmets during practice. And this is O-linemen, D-linemen, linebackers, running backs. Uh, I think the DBs, some of them wear them, some of them don't. But 
Positions wearing guardian caps saw a 52% decrease in concussions throughout fall camp thus far. Wow. That's huge. That's a big number. That's massive. Now, know what's funny is most of my contacts, most of my buddies in the NFL at this point, you talk to them, they hate them. They hate them. They despise having to wear them. It adds a little bit to their head, a little bit of weight, a little more stress on their neck. Um, but if, if it's decreasing concussions, this should be a good thing all around. Keeps you on the on the field a little bit more. You don't have to worry about getting concussed in practice. This is big. And I, I do think that a lot of people are making the jump and, the, and asking the question, hey, if it does, if they do decrease concussions 52%, how long until they wear them in games? I think that's a viable question. They're ugly. They're very ugly. They are ugly. But they are ugly. I don't think we'll make that step. Uh, I don't think we'll take that step yet. But uh, uh, that's that's a... That's a very enlightening number. Well, watching Hard Knocks, one of the questions that comes to mind is, if they're wearing these in training camp and they're so worried about player safety during this, why don't you have the same concern about player safety during the game? Right. And if, if the only argument is it's a little heavy, I'm not sure. <laughs> and it's it, ugly. It's ugly. Yeah. I'm not sure those are arguments as to why you don't continue forward with it. Now, you'd probably have to come I'll up with some this. way to I put a logo players, on it or play, something. Players would have big issue with that. And I, I don't sure. think it's going to happen, but um, I think I, that it's just an overwhelming good thing working. in practice. And yeah, I'm, glad I'm glad they're, they're working. working. And if you if you haven't seen them yet, they put them on top of the helm. I know most like people say it's like a, it's a, a diaper. Yeah, I guess so. But it's got sort of uh, shock absorbing technology where it, it just, you, you feel it less when you get hit in the head. But that, that's really cool. Have you really ever cool. worn one? No, I haven't. They didn't have those for me. But luckily, I, I stayed unconcussed for most of my career at Memphis. You sure? That, yeah, well, who knows, but for the <laughs> most part. I'm a little wonky some days, but you know what? I, I think I'm doing all right for myself. The Miami Dolphins. I want to start with this because this is so hilarious. I want to chalk this up to this man is different. This dude is just different. But this was Tyreek Hill at practice yesterday in a presser talking about his game prep. Nah, so so I feel like Madden has a good tell of how good players are. So I just play Madden the night before, and I go look at all their ratings. So let's say, for instance, they had Steve Nelson and Derek Stingley over there, two phenomenal players, by the way. Um, I just go get on Madden. I go to the EA rosters, then I scroll down and see what their awareness is, their speed is, and they sprint, and that's how I get a good tell. Awareness and checks out their speed. Now, Tyreek Hill's a 99 speed, so I hope they're checking out the Madden rating as well, but I don't think you need a Madden don't rating think you need to, do that. to tell you he's the fastest player in the NFL. But I, I can't imagine, through my days playing football, not watching my opponent in the flesh on film. I can't imagine that. That's why I chalked this up to this dude's just different. It's fascinating to me that we got this a week after the Johnny Manziel thing came out about him not watching no, tape. And the reaction to both are so different well, because we saw what happened well, to Johnny. Yeah. And we're like, but Tyreek Hill's a pro bowl well, wide yeah, receiver. Well, he's an all-pro wide it's receiver. <laughs> yes. Like, what, what are you going to say to him? I, I don't There's also, some guys, also, but it, 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 they're, they're, this just chalks it up. Some guys are just different. Some guys can get away with this. Tyreek Hill, for instance. Other guys cannot. Well, please, please correct me if I'm wrong here. I may be making a huge faux pas in talking football. I also feel, though, that the tape for the wide receiver is probably different an importance level for the tape no. for quarterback. No, you can see guys tell us how they use their hand, how fast they move. I mean, uh, you should be watching tape. I would imagine a lot of good receivers around the NFL watch tape. Devontae Adams talks about watching tape because he knows how to uh, set somebody up based on how they're using their feet and their hands coming off of the line in press coverage. So Tyreek Hill's just different. He's just fast as hell, <laughs> and this is all this tells you. That's nuts. 
The Washington Commanders. Today is the day that Sam Howell, fifth round pick from a year ago, has been named the starter for the Washington Commanders. And uh, I mean, it is—it's okay. He's been okay. I, I don't—I don't mind him. I liked him coming out of North Carolina. I think he's got a live arm. He is relatively short, um, but he can spread the ball around. He showed that at North Carolina. Um, but this is for me—you have a year one OC and Eric Bieniemy. He's going to have to get everything he can out of Sam Howell to show his worth in the head coaching ranks. He's been skipped up. Uh, and skipped over a million different times, even though he won two Super Bowls, got to plenty when he was with the Chiefs. Um, But the fact that he has left the Chiefs to hinge his career, his potential to be a head coach on Sam Howell, that's frustrating. But Sam Howell started. Now, if Sam Howell doesn't work out, their backup is Jacoby Brissett, like one of the better placeholders in the NFL. And I don't think anybody's thinking the Commanders are going to be some big winner this year. Um, but I'm ready to see what Sam Howell can do. I'm, I'm very curious to see what he looks like in an NFL system. He's got some guys to throw to. Jahan Dotson. He's got Terry McLaurin. So, and Antonio Gibson in the backfield. He, he could make something happen this year, but today was the day he's officially named the starter. How much of a leash do you think that they're going to give him when you have a guy like Brissett sitting a lot. there? Still a lot. Because this is a young guy. You want him to develop. And if I mean, if, if your thought process going forward is this is going to be my starter for the future, well, that's, that's you want to give him you, you want to give him as long a leash as possible. Is he? Do you think that they view him as the quarterback of the future? I don't think necessarily. Um, but um, they're going to give him an opportunity to do that. And we've seen guys take advantage of their opportunities. Dak Prescott, Jalen Hurts. Very recently, Sam Howell has an opportunity to do it here. And, I, you know, ultimately, I think the commanders are finally in a better position, you know, franchise-wise, because they got rid of the idiots there at the top of the Snyders. But um, we'll see what Sam Howell can do. I, I don't know if I have high hopes, but I have intermediate hopes. We'll see. The Baltimore Ravens. Jadavion Clowney signed. Jadavion Clowney's no longer a free agent. And you know what's always bothered me about the Jadavion Clowney conversation? I know some people have talked about him being a bust. I don't think he's a bust. But he is severely overrated as a player. Severely. Now, they have David Ojabo, Odafe Owe off the edges that they really, they're young, they feel good about them, and they are good pass rushers. They bring in a vet, three pro bowler, three-time pro bowler, um, two years ago with the Browns in 14 games, he had nine sacks, um, I believe 11 TFLs. But I always have kind of despised the talk around Jadavion Clowney because the thought of Jadavion Clowney being on your team far supersedes what he actually is Absolutely. when he gets to your yeah, team. Yeah, we've seen it up close in Tennessee. Yeah, but we, continually, continually – it gets hyped up. Oh, Jadavion Clowney and David Ojabo and Tyus Bowser with the Ravens. Now, I think it's fine for the Ravens to add this vet to see if he can get some type of production off the edge. But at the same time, I, I, I am I am to that point in Jadavion Clowney's career where I am not here to hype up what he's actually going to be on the field because we've seen it time and time again. It is not what we actually think it's going to be. When we got to see him up close when he was playing for the Titans, I think the biggest takeaway I had was, oh, he's a he's a good player, but he's certainly not what his reputation makes you think. And, and his reputation out of college was a little bit too high. Let's be honest. Well, it was he, that made, hit. he made a bunch of money off that hit in the Outback uh, Bowl when I, he got in. He was unblocked. He was unblocked. 
But he never <laughs> murdered but that, that. One man, thing though. he never murdered did. Him. One thing he never did was develop pass rush moves. He never quite developed the motor he needed to have. Now he was really good with the Texans on his first contract, but after that, he's gotten some decent contracts and just sort of flamed out. He got it's one year, six million, so they're not paying him a whole lot. But uh, Jadavion Clowney, I'm not going to hype it up. The Indianapolis Colts. Jonathan Taylor left Indianapolis again to deal with a quote-unquote personal matter. It was excused, though, Gabe. It was excused, sure. Yeah. Um, It was. If he's not playing for that team this year, they just name Anthony Richardson the starter. I don't like that at all. You need to be able to rely on a guy like Jonathan Taylor who can take the ball 22 times a game. You need to be able to rely on a run game with this high-paid offensive line. And if Anthony Richardson isn't going to have him as a weapon in his backfield, I get nervous for Anthony Richardson ultimately. Is he going to get ruined by being put into the uh, starting role too early? I know he needs reps, but you need reps with a serviceable offense. And I don't think without Jonathan Taylor they're going to have a serviceable offense. The weapons are okay. They're not great. I mean, I guess you, you have Michael Pittman Jr. You have Alec Pierce in year two. Like, we'll see what happens. But you need Jonathan Taylor to be able to lean on. And Anthony Richardson being named the starter, he's had rave reviews this week. He's had uh, against the Bears. Against the Bears. He's been doing really well in joint practice. But it's the Bears, and their secondary stinks. It's really bad. It's one of the worst in the NFL. And I think most Bears fans would tell you that at this point. Um, But I do want to bring this up. Starting rookie quarterbacks – um, who I want to bring up some names here. Successful quarterbacks with first season sort of minimal starts in that first season. Jalen Hurts only had four. Josh Allen had 11, so he didn't start a full season. Patrick Mahomes had one. Lamar Jackson had seven. You'll remember he got in there at the end of the season. Aaron Rodgers, zero. Carson Palmer, zero. Phillip Rivers, zero. Eli Manning, seven. Jared Goff, seven. Michael Vick, two. I, I just feel like not every situation needs to be cut and dry these days. I know you invest a lot in these quarterbacks and you expect them to be on the field if you take them in the top five. But you can let this guy relax for a second. He didn't show much at Florida. Let him learn an NFL system and get used to it before you put him in week one. I still am frustrated by that whole thing. And I think it's exacerbated by the fact that Jonathan Taylor doesn't look like he's going to be on the field. He's not even off a physically unable to perform list. We've talked about it before. I just don't understand. I don't mind Anthony Richardson getting starting minutes this season. I just don't know if it needs to be week one when you have all of these question marks about your running backs, your wide receivers, and your offensive line. It just feels like you are throwing him into no man's land, and you're saying, hey, Rook, figure it out. When you have a guy like Garner Minshew who can what? take the hits, he can take the hits. Let him and take the Sam hits. And Sam Ellinger, who yeah. started last year. Like, you know let what? them get hit well, and let Anthony Richardson learn. What, what what does get me, what does strike me is I do think, I mean, there's an avenue. There's an avenue where Anthony Richardson can still be good. For sure. Because he's so damn athletically gifted, and it's just so effortless for him to fling the ball downfield. But if preseason week one showed us anything, he had some pressure in his face, he got flustered, he threw it out to the flat, pick the other way. Like, there's there's some things that are going to arise during the season that he's not going to be ready for, and I think you're putting him behind the eight ball year one by putting him in there immediately. Again, like, I, I'm tired of bringing this up, but 53% of his passes were completed at Florida, man. That's not good enough. We know uh, the SEC is a good conference. It ain't the NFL. <laughs> There's not as many busted coverages. 
He's going to have to get those numbers up, and if that's what he had at Florida, I, I just get concerned about what it's going to look like in a Colts uniform, but we're done with this trip around the NFL. Real quick, do you see the video today that came out about him, though? What? What? Do you, uh, well, they're all good. Dude, they all in practice, good. He, he looks good. He does a jump throw, and he <laughs> launches that thing into the sun. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of Anthony Richardson. I'm a big that's fan, That's why too, I, I'm but... nervous. I don't want him to get screwed up. It's Because I'm in an opposition. I root for the Titans, but I want him to be good. I don't want him to be good yet, though. Like, let's... Let's take him along slow, slowly. I just, I'm just i so worried about him week one getting blown up and it just messing with him. And not having a run game to rely on. That offense won't be balanced. He may, he may, and here's the other part of it. He may have to be supplemental. He may have to be the supplement to the run game. And he's going to be taking hits. I just, year one, week one. Who are they playing week be one? Be careful. Who they got? Be careful about it. I, I uh, Jacksonville? See, that's, yeah, they that's, have a, tough, that's a tough one. opponent. Like yeah. maybe like the next week's Houston. Like, give him a week two start, maybe. Or week just one. wait till later in the season. Let him understand what's expected of him in practice before you just throw him in there. They do. Like, even their, their last three games of the season are Atlanta, Vegas, and Houston. What, what? Just to be honest, when he's coming out of Florida, what is the conversation about him? It's He's a developmental guy. You're going to have to let him learn. And the Colts are not affording him that opportunity. That's kind of why I've been really confused about this conversation because I feel like when he was drafted, everyone's opinion was, "Oh, he's not going to." Yeah, and then everybody's flipped, and And then they're like, "Well, he needs he needs the live bullets. He needs the reps." After like one good week of camp, they're like, "Ah, he's a starter." It's it's groupthink, it's group thought. That people just subscribe. Wake up, sheeple! (laughs) (laughs) All right, that's enough of that. We're done with this trip around the NFL. Jeff Calkins is next, right here on the Gabe Coon Show, ninety-two-nine FM, ESPN. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.